This is On and Off Your Mat podcast episode 19, Kids Yoga in the Bambini Yoga Project. My name is Erica and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Jessica Cox. Jessie is the founder and CEO of the Bambini Yoga Project, which is a nonprofit organization working within the public school system to offer programs that build confidence, that encourage positive, thoughtful decision making, and enhance kids' overall academic experience through mindfulness, movement, and meditation. Today, we sat down to talk about this program and the impact of yoga, mindfulness, and meditation on kids. But before we get to today's episode, I wanted to take a minute to wish you a happy new year. As we start this new year, the podcast also celebrates its very first birthday. So from the bottom of my heart, I wanted to thank you all. I know some of you have been with us since the first episode. Some of you discovered the podcast later, but have told me that they've been catching up on older episodes. And even if it's your first episode today, I still want to say thank you. I know how busy your lives are, and I feel really grateful that you've chosen to spend some of your precious time with us. If you've listened before, you also know about our giveaways, so I want to take a second to thank Athleta. They've been supporting this podcast since the beginning, and I am beyond grateful for their help. Very special thank you for Stephanie Fallon for believing in me through all of this. The team at Athleta really stands behind their mission to ignite strong women that want to create community and lift each other up. Finally, if you've ever left a rating, a review, or you shared this podcast with a friend, you are my personal hero. Thanks to you, more people can find this podcast and join our community. Now to celebrate you and our birthdays, the giveaway will be a little bit different this time. Instead of picking only one winner, I wanted to offer something to many of you and treat you in person. On February 9th, I'm leading my favorite yoga workshop called Roll, Release, and Relax. It's a mix of self-massage, breath work, and yoga nidra, which if you don't know is a guided meditation in a reclined position. So all of those three things bring you in an incredibly deep stage of relaxation. This work has changed my life, and I know it has the potential to change yours too. So if you're in the Bay Area, or if you're willing to travel a little, use the promo code PODCAST15 to save 15% when you register online at sukayoga.com, which is S-U-K-H-A yoga.com, and then we can celebrate together. I'll put the link for registration in the show notes if you need it. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's get this new year started. Take a listen to our new episode. I am sure you'll enjoy. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Jessie is an Atleta ambassador with me, and we met through the ambassadorship program. And as soon as she talked about this nonprofit, I was amazed with by by her passion and her drive. And I was really curious to know more about her work with the Bambini Yoga Project. So I invited her on the podcast so we can talk about it. So you guys can discover what it is and why it matters. And eventually maybe so you can even support this project as well. Jesse, before we dig in our subject of today, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your yoga journey? I grew up on the East Coast. I was an athlete my whole life. I was a swimmer and a soccer player. And I actually didn't discover yoga until my mid-20s. I, I was always into really physical sports, and, and I realized as I got into my mid-20s that I wasn't very flexible, and I didn't really <laughs> like to stretch at all. So um, I came into a hot yoga class, and I found the combination between the, um, the stretching and the actual sweating to be my entry point into the yoga world. So I also realized the benefits 
mentally. It was physical and mental benefits. And and from there, I decided to take a teacher training. And um, and I trained on the East Coast. And I trained with um, Ann Richardson at Studio Bamboo and Lisa Rapp of Jeeva Mukti. And um, still train with them. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got pregnant with my first daughter that I really started delving deeper into my own practice just because of the the tools and resources that I had developed over having a consistent practice. I wanted to be able to share that as a parent and um, and be able to just, you know, be a better mom to my daughter. So that's kind of my yoga journey and mm-hmm. a very short, <laughs> I guess, way of telling you. Sure. Um, is that part of the reason why you started the Bambini Yoga Project? Yeah. It, I mean... You know, when you first start practicing yoga, there there's an entry point for all of us. So some people may may start practicing for the physical benefits or because they want to get flexible or because they want to be calmer. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I started the Bambini Yoga Project. You know, I'm really into social justice mm-hmm. and kind of that that's, you know, and being able to provide um, this service to a community of individuals that otherwise wouldn't be exposed to the practice. That's kind of the foundation for why, why it all came together the way it did. Um, in a short answer, yes, that is why. Mm-hmm. Is it important for you to offer yoga to kids that come from families that don't practice? Yeah, I think yoga is a practice that is um, really not accessible to the majority of the population. I think that, um, you know, if you look at a yoga class, you can look around and see the type of people Mm -hmm. that are in the yoga class, and you don't see a lot of diversity across race and ethnicity in general. And um, And socioeconomic either. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's pretty expensive to take a yoga class, much less be able to take yoga and bring your kids to classes and things like that. So that was definitely a driving force. How did it happen in the beginning? How did you, once you decide, okay, I'm going to do this, then what? The the kind of the story behind it is that I have, I have two kids. I have an eight and a three-year-old. <clears throat> and after my, my little one was born, um, about a year after she was born, I decided to do a Instagram challenge with my older daughter who was five at the time. And the goal was to get on my mat with her every single day for 30 days Mm. to, we didn't really have a plan. We were just going to spend time together on the mat, maybe practice, maybe talk, maybe laugh. I mean, it was just like, let's get on the mat. I want to take this time to have this special time with you and we'll see what happens. And I'm going to hashtag it the Bambini Yoga Project. It was just kind of something that came into my head. So that was in June of 2016. And we did, we got on the mat every day. Um, I talked a little bit about the experiences that I had with her. And it was really, um, it's really a transformative experience. It allowed us to bond. It allowed us to you know, just kind of get to know each other better and have that special time. And so after the that 30 days, my older daughter, her name's Brooklyn, she was about to start kindergarten. And um, a lot of people that watched us document that through Instagram were like, you should do something with that. You mm-hmm. should do something. Stephanie Phelan in particular was like, do something with that. And I was like, with the Bambini Yoga Project. And at the time, I I didn't really know like what to do with it. It seemed like a 
a cool hashtag. <laughs> that was pretty much it at the time. Um, but I started to develop at that point. I had a meditation practice. And so in my meditation practice, I kind of just put the question out there. And I was like, what should I do with this? I kind of asked the universe. Mm. I mean, show me what I should do with this Bambini Yoga Project thing. And so skip to August, Brooklyn started school. And I would take her to school every day. And there's a school that I would pass on the way to her school. And I would see, you know, it was 100% Latino. It was, you know, it was a mile from her school, but you could see the differences in the the facilities that they had at the school. But also I would see them, um, the kids at school before I dropped her off. And then I'd pick her up and go to the park and then go home after that. I would still see the kids at school. And they just, you could see that there was a difference in what was available to them at their their campus. Mm-hmm. And so one day it just came to me to offer yoga and mindfulness to these kids because I knew that they wouldn't they may not be exposed to it otherwise. So I just had this aha moment where I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to offer yoga and mindfulness to these kids at this school and I'm going to offer it for free and then I'm going to start a nonprofit called the Bambini Yoga Project." <laughs> and then after that idea came to me, everything started to align. So I um, was introduced to one of the fourth grade teachers there because I had um, her Her sister was a mom of a little girl in my daughter's kindergarten class. And then I got introduced to another assistant principal at another school in the district. And it was kind of just like everything started to make sense and align. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the genesis of the hmm. Bambini Yoga Project. And why did you choose to go the nonprofit route? Um. I wanted to be able to provide uh, the services to schools that couldn't necessarily afford it Mm -hmm. and didn't have, you know, a lot of the schools, I'm from the East Coast and this isn't the way that we did things growing up, but I realized since I moved out here, some of the schools have different school foundations where they raise money. um, That's a part of the school foundation and that pays for extra curriculars, sometimes music, art, now it's um, science and PE and different things like that. And some of the schools that don't have that type of parental support don't get those programs. And so um, I knew that after talking to some of the administration at the school that they weren't raising the same amount of money as my daughter's school. So I wanted to be able to offer it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking to to raise funding to be able to offer it regardless of their ability to pay. So I wanted to, you know, kind of bridge the inequality gap. Mm-hmm. Is your daughter curious about it in a way? Like why not her school versus like, did you have that conversation with her while you're choosing I actually, we do teach at her school too. So we have, we have a couple different platforms. So we have a fee for service platform and we are able to offer it to schools that do have the ability to pay for it. Mm. And then we raise money and that comes all from the funding that we raise for schools that can't Mm. necessarily afford it through their school foundation. So there is the, um, we do contract with fee for service schools as well. That's awesome. Yeah. How was your first experience teaching kids? <laughs> um, is it crazy? <laughs> it was uh, it was really interesting, I want to say, because I wasn't used to teaching 28 kids in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually more nervous going in to teach 28 children I'm than sure. I am teaching public classes of, you know, 
40 or 50 people. Um, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to inspire and connect with them on their level. And um, so it was a bit intimidating. But when I left, I felt really good about being able to, you know, offer them this practice. I saw that they were really into it. And um, it took a while, you know, mm-hmm. but it was it was different. But all in all, it's one of the most fulfilling if not the most fulfilling thing that I've ever done through work. What's your biggest lesson you've learned since the first time you, you thought and like today? Is that they, the children know if you truly love them or not. Mm. Like that's, that's really where it's at. So I've been really, really lucky to have a group of instructors that are very passionate about the work that we do. And, um, and they really want to do the work that we're doing in the schools and the kids know. Mm-hmm. So if if you if you're just doing it for a job and not as a passion, you have a very different experience and relationship with the children. And you connect and differently. You connect differently, and they they know that you truly care about them, and and you see that you may not see it from class to class when they're maybe resisting sitting still or going through some of the different practices that we do. But you'll see them one day on the playground and they all run up to you and give you a hug and mm-hmm. tell you they miss you. And so, you know, they know that you truly love them if you do. Mm-hmm. And luckily we have an amazing team of people that that all love what they're doing and have a passion for teaching kids. Awesome. Is there a difference between teaching in a school setting versus like in a studio when they have events for kids or they have classes on schedule for kids or for teens? I do. I think that... Um, You know, if kids go to a public class, they there's an expectation that, you know, they probably tell their parents that they want to go, they're expecting to do yoga. Um, but we have a customized curriculum mm. and we always teach the three components of meditation, mindfulness, and yoga. And so we're looking for the at the energy of the room when we get in there. And each class, we want to make sure that we get in each component. Mm-hmm. So You know, that's that's very different than going to a public class. And I think a lot sure. of them might be just play-based yoga and songs and stuff like that. It's really important that we're getting the the last two components of mindfulness and meditation because we believe that yoga is the vehicle to open them up to be more receptive to the mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. And then meditation obviously has science-based benefits for all of us. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really important that that we get through that. And we might get through it a different way each class, but those three components are a part of each class. And I think that it's just, it's probably taught different. You're in a small space. They're in their classroom. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, sometimes up to 28 kids. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, you're working with a different set of circumstances. Of course. Um, could you talk us through like a typical class? Like what would that look like with those three elements? Yeah. So, um A lot of times we do a check-in at the beginning of class. So we'll have the students sit in a circle, mm-hmm. most likely, and we ask them to, I guess in yoga you would say scan your body, but I call it a check-in. And so we ask them whether they feel like they need to move or sit still. And that brings them into the body and asking them questions mm-hmm. helps them be more mindfully aware of yeah. what they need. And so there's a check-in, and then we 
depending on the energy of the class, if it's super energetic, we might go right into to movement. And um, we have a positive affirmation that we say at the beginning of and end, end of every class. So we say, I am strong. I am confident. I am resilient. I am happy. I will achieve anything I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to really embed that into their brains that they have the ability to, you know, kind of have control over what happens to them in their life mm-hmm. and how they choose to respond to it. So we have the affirmation. We usually work on breathing. And then some form of like sun salutation movements that's that's slightly modified for working with kids. And um, we do core exercises. So we'll do like sun salutes and then we do um, core activation. So we'll hold plank or side plank or do some sit-ups because we find that when kids can access their core, it helps to develop a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that. And they, you know, even kids that are really disconnected start to develop that awareness pretty quickly moving through a couple yoga poses. And then, um, for instance, we'll do a mindfulness practice. So one of the mindfulness practices that we've been teaching recently is called moving through trees. So all the kids will be in tree pose and there'll be two um, volunteers that'll be walking through the forest. Mm, And they try to hold tree pose. If they step down, then they have to sit down. But this helps work on, you know, spatial and Mm -hmm. visual awareness. It helps engage their they're large muscle groups, which is really grounding. Um, it helps on balance, focus, coordination. So we try to identify the different parts of the body and sensory system that's working when we're doing the different mindfulness practices. A lot of times the kids just think they're games, but there's actually some some science-based research behind each mindfulness practice that mm. we do. So um, after that, then we sit. We do a couple seated poses. They'll sit in meditation, and then we'll say the um, the affirmation once again before class is over. Mm-hmm. It's you, we only have thirty minutes, so it's really it's hard to get it in in thirty minutes. Um, so that's why sometimes we come straight into the body to get everyone kind of on the same page energetically. Sure. So you mentioned quickly that there's a lot of benefits. What are those benefits, or why is yoga, meditation, mindfulness important for kids? Do you think? I think it's important for a lot of different reasons. Um, So yoga allows kids to come into their body. You know, there's a lot going on when, you know, just as they grow. um, And it allows them to start to draw their awareness into the physical body. So sometimes they just don't feel their body. Mm -hmm. So the yoga, just like for us, it helps to to ground them. It helps to build confidence. Um, It helps to increase flexibility and body awareness. And when they engage their their larger muscle groups, that's really grounding for them. Um, And then the yoga is the vehicle for the the mindfulness and meditation. So the mindfulness component is is something that's been studied a lot recently. Just in general, there's a lot of social emotional learning programs being introduced Mm -hmm. in school for that reason. But kids are they're, they're living a different uh, childhood than we did. You know, they're growing up with a lot of technology. Mm-hmm. They're growing up um, by teenagers that are much more stressed out, have a lot of anxiety. There's just, there's a lot of, of energetic things that are going on. So we want to help them develop the tools and resources to be able to navigate their life through all these challenges without getting overwhelmed and then be able to bounce back a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So the mindfulness component helps to develop, you know, self-awareness, self-control, empathy for others, um, helps 
kids have a more positive school experience in general. And it's a practice that the research shows that if they are exposed to, as a young kid, say in kindergarten, that the benefits are lasting from adolescence even into adulthood. Mm. So the, the younger the kids are when they're exposed to mindfulness. And mindfulness, the way I think I would define it, is being able to experience the world through your senses without judgment. And so we're teaching kids to come into their body and notice you know, how they feel and what they see and how they, what are they hearing and, you know, how does their body feel when somebody makes them upset? Identifying the way that feels in their body and then taking time to respond. So we work on um, reflective versus reactive reactions. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's giving them that space to choose how they want to respond. And when you do that, it helps to develop the higher levels of the brain. So we're working on you know, prefrontal cortex. And, um, you know, one of the things in, in some of the, the children that are exposed to higher levels of trauma shows that not only are they not being able to develop their prefrontal cortex, but it's actually atrophying their prefrontal cortex when they're exposed to high levels of childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So when we practice mindfulness, we are able to uh, Reverse. shift that yeah, you're creating reverse some of that, you know, mm-hmm. with neuroplasticity, they're able to develop these neural pathways that actually help to activate the prefrontal cortex and actually start to develop it. And, um, you know, the research shows that that's, that mindfulness practice is really important for that, especially mm-hmm. with kids with childhood trauma. And um, a lot of the kids that we're working with are, um, you know, they are below the poverty level, living in subsidized housing, living in houses with many people um, other than primary family members. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're not living with their actual parents, um, you know, dealing with the immigration issues and fear and all of these things. Of course. You know, different types of abuse. So um, we're hopefully giving them a place that they feel safe, mm-hmm. that they feel loved and supported so that we can help to enhance their academic experience and really their life going forward. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten feedback from teachers and parents? Yes. How it like affected their kids? Um, I haven't got as much feedback from parents, but we have gotten a little bit from parents, but mostly teachers. Mm-hmm. And they have noticed that you know, the kids are love the instructors, but they, they do seem to be more grounded. They do seem to be more confident and stronger in their bodies. And, um, you know, we've only gotten good feedback from our programming for sure. Would you give a few tips for yoga teachers that would be interested to teaching kids? Like how do they go about that if they wanted to, or what do they need to shift their perspective or their mind towards I really think that um, in teaching kids, you have to have a passion for teaching kids. Mm. That comes first because if you go in and try to teach kids and you're not in the right mind space, it's it's a really difficult scenario for you. So first you have to have that passion. You really need to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just, you know, you have to try to talk to kids on their level. Um, you have to really love and respect each kid individually and where they're coming from. You know, a kid might be acting out, but it's it may be something that happened at home. It's not necessarily dr- being directed towards you because he's mad at you. 
So I think you have to really have a lot of empathy and compassion and kindness, but at the same time, be firm in your expectations, Mm -hmm. especially when you're teaching 25, 28 kids in a class. Um, They want to know that you can hold that space for them and, and have equal amounts of like, you know, expectation and also love at the same time. So it's, it's being able to develop that balance. And I think it's really hard to do unless you just do it. Um, you know, last, last year I probably taught 400 classes to kids. And when you're in very different, um, class settings over and over and over again, you just figure out, you know, what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, some days they're receptive more Mm -hmm. than others. And, uh, and it's just, it's kind of just like a work in progress. It's just like any, any, anything that you do that you're passionate about, the more you do it, the more it's going to make sense to you, the more you're going to develop your rhythm and things like that. So of course, how important is the role of play or like versus your expectation? If you come as a teacher and you're like, oh, I'm going to teach this, this and this. Oh no, you have to, <laughs> you have to be able to be uh, resilient and mm-hmm. flexible Yeah, because it, if it's not fun for them, it's not, it's not serving its purpose. Yeah. I mean, we want them to have fun. Um, that's, that's really, really important that they enjoy what they're doing. And so, you know, you, you have to come and bring a lot of positive energy, mm-hmm. um, But if they try to, you know, take advantage of that, then you also have to kind of set the... A strong container. Right. Mm. What have you... What do you do in classes with kids that transfer to your classes, their public with adults? Is there something that you've learned with kids that you're like, oh, this could (laughs) actually work or I could use this with my adults in a way that gives them a different container or gives them a different support? I definitely think that I probably bring a little bit more of a mindfulness component into my teaching that maybe wasn't there as much before. Mm. Um, you know, mind, teaching mindfulness is is not necessarily, you know, you teach in yoga mindfulness through observing your breath and, you know, observing where your body is in space, all of these different things. Um, but I think I maybe talk about you know, what mindfulness is a little bit more mm-hmm. and how we can take that into our lives. I know last year you did a few events for fundraising. You were just talking about that's how you offer some free classes to some of the schools. Do you have any events coming up in 2019 that you want to share with us already? Or We don't have anything scheduled. We're going to plan on doing something probably in um, March with Athleta. We're going to okay. do a big um, class. We haven't We don't have the details on it yet, but mm-hmm. everything's going to be on our website, True. which is www.bambiniyogaproject.org. Yeah, so that's probably the best place to check for things that are coming up. You know, sometimes we offer donation-based classes at studios and different fundraisers in the community, but mm-hmm. we're working on the logistics of that right now. In the meantime, if people want to support you, is there any way they can donate without participating to an event? Yeah, they can donate through our website too. Mm -hmm. There's a donate button on the webpage and they can donate through the website. Is there any other way people can help if financially is not possible for them? Are you looking for any other type of support? Yeah, we um, absolutely. There's also a volunteer Mm -hmm. tab on our website. Um, we, We are working on some of the organizational development and things like that. And anybody that wants to contribute or help out, we're very open to that mm-hmm. for sure. Are you looking for more teachers? Are you needing subs? I know there's a lot of yoga teachers that listen to this. <laughs> we do. We, um, 
We are looking this year, we have currently seven instructors and we could add a couple subs to the sub list, but also expanding. We're starting to plan for the 2019, 2020 school year, Mm -hmm. which there was going to be expansion in our program. So absolutely having a, having a couple more um, qualified, passionate teachers would be really, really awesome. Yeah. What's your hope for the future of the Yoga Memini project? You know, I really hope that this is a program because of the way that we've developed it. Mm -hmm. It was really thoughtful and intentional. And it's a program that is able to be replicated in different areas nationally. Mm -hmm. So if I'm thinking really big, I would like to bring it to urban communities in different parts of the United States where I go out and train the teachers Mm -hmm. to be able to bring it to the schools um, in need. And I think all kids need it for sure, but definitely kids that are experiencing more trauma, dealing with the socioeconomic issues and dealing with poverty and all of that that comes with that. Mm -hmm. um, Those are the communities I I really want to train teachers to go in and help and support because those kids, you know, it's, it's just, it's so fulfilling to see them start to receive some of the gifts of this practice that, um, you know. I would love to offer it nationally. That would be amazing. For sure. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think is important you'd like to share? We have a sponsorship flyer that's out, and Mm -hmm. we're looking for a couple corporate sponsors. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have different sponsorship levels, and that's the last thing I'll say is that uh, we're looking for different organizations within the community that are looking to give back to the community. So... um, yeah, that's something that's fairly new and there's different benefits to the corporations that support us. So the corporate sponsorship uh, flyer is also going to be posted online. So if any organizations are looking to um, find good causes to donate mm-hmm. to, then we're totally open to that Yeah, for sure. So I'll put all your info in the show notes and you already mentioned your website. Is there anywhere else that people might reach if they want to chat with you either about the project or about anything else you might offer just say hello <laughs> the contact us will go directly to the bambini yoga mm-hmm. project and then we were pretty responsive in getting back to you as soon as we can but okay yeah awesome well thank you so much for joining me today thanks erica Thank you so much for listening. Our 2019 lineup of guests is incredible. So if you're not already subscribed, now's the time. That way you won't miss anything. If there's any subject you'd like us to tackle, anybody you're dying to learn from, let me know. I would love to hear from you and create those episodes just for you. Email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram and we'll talk. For more info about our guest of today, her nonprofit, or how to join me for the Roll, Release, and Relax workshop, check out the show notes or go to my website, ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. And don't forget to use the promo code podcast15 to save 15% on your registration. Once again, thank you for joining us and until next time.